Adrian, thanks for jumping on. You are the director of uh, Bressick Whitney Balmain. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I oversee the Balmain office, but I'm the director of the whole. Okay. Like we're not a franchise. Yeah. So we got four offices. Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm one of the directors amongst um, several directors in the whole in the whole of Bressick Whitney. Beautiful. Now, um, just to kickstart the potty. Mate, you've run up some crazy, crazy numbers over the years and you've obviously earned the spot that you're in now. Can you give us a bit of a background from when you first got into real estate till now? Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> it's, hard, it's like I've been doing it for so long that it's hard to remember. Yeah. So I just turned 40 and I got into real estate when I was 20. So wow. the way I got in was pretty easy. Like I went straight out of school. I, d- I didn't think I'd be a real estate agent, but I sort of... I went in and I sort of went into the automotive industry. It wasn't like, it wasn't for me. So I got into real estate. I really wanted a job. So I just literally talked myself into a job. So I I went and got like, I think about it now and how like bullish it was. So (laughs) I went and got my certificate of registration. But before I got my certificate, which was a five day course, I went and introduced myself to three businesses, which were all in this area here, Balmain. that I thought would be good to work for. So I walked in, asked to speak to the principal and I said, this is who I am. I'm going to do the course, but can we have an interview next week when I finish the course? So um, one of them actually gave me a job on the spot and said, actually, yeah, that's pretty good. I'll, like, I'll give you a job. Um, but I was like, there wasn't a job, if that makes sense. So I was the receptionist. I was the leasing guy. Like I was, I basically just did anything. Every day I had a different seat, but I, I just wanted in. Wow. So and for anyone listening, if you want a job with Bressick Whitney, just walk into Adrian's office. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I did. That's what I did. It's crazy that I think about it. Like I had to, I had to keep changing desks every day because like someone had a rostered day off and that would be my desk. And then one of the first things they asked me to do was like arrears phone calls for rentals. And I'm oh, like, really? and the irony is actually, the irony is, is that the first, I went, I went to three different offices and one guy sort of didn't treat me very nicely. And the first arrears phone call I did was him. He was renting from the company that I'd, I'd got a job with and I had to ring him up and say, your rent's two weeks behind. Um, anyway, I didn't probably understand the weight of those phone. I just did anything without actually thinking about it. So I did that for nine months. I really wanted to work for McGrath. Like that was my goal. But um, I had friends who said like, you gotta, you gotta do, don't try and get into sales first, go via the property management route. And I was like, okay, cool. But I, like I very quickly thought I want to, I want to jump to sales. Um, so I organized, I went to one of John McGrath's uh, seminars and I organized to meet him. And at the time I just went up to him and I introduced myself. I said, like, this is who I am. I've been doing it for only nine months, but I want to work for you. And I want to be one of your top sales people. And he gave wow. me his card and he said, um, uh, call me tomorrow. And he, he took my card as well. And then the, the following day, I got a phone call from the recruiter saying, I don't know what you said, but John McGrath said, if you don't start, I'm fired or something like that. <laughs> something along those lines. What? So You're I, pretty yeah. good at getting in the door, huh? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So then I did uh, the equivalent of like what I consider to be an apprenticeship with uh, McGrath and West. This is back... Um, like I have a lot of respect for the McGrath brand because of John McGrath and who he is, but like 20 years ago, like McGrath was, well, certainly my interpretation was like, they were like the company to work for. Like they were doing things that nobody else was doing. 
So I did my apprenticeship in their inner West office, which was brand new mm-hmm. um, with their top performer. And as a result, I got all this exposure to selling and it was just crazy. And like I got this exposure to success really quick. And this guy ran like an attraction business and it was just like amazing. So my skill set just like it was like what I, what I probably experienced in my first year, most people wouldn't get in their first three years or four years. Um, I then got to a point where I decided that I felt like I wanted to become a sales agent. And I think this is probably one of the, the flaws in the model, right? When I said to my boss that I wanted to be an agent, he said, that's cool, but you can't compete with me in my area. So it, at that point, it gave me no choice. And I thought about, well, where do I want to work? And I, I sort of kept coming back to Balmain. I really like Balmain. Um, so did you grow up in Balmain? I grew up in Dremoyne, okay. yeah. Russell Lee. Yeah. Um, so close by and like Balmain was this sort of aspirational thing. So my, my heritage is Italian. I lived like by my standards now, like a pretty sheltered, I had a pretty sheltered upbringing, like really close to my family. So I always wanted to be close to my family. That was sort of my logic. Um, So I just, something about Balmain really resonated with me. So at the time I I made the decision, like I I did an APM of Balmain sales just to see who came up. Um, And then it was a new brand then, it was Cobden and Hayson and they just kept coming up and they looked pretty good. And someone who was working at McGrath had left and joined. And I remember calling her and saying, hey, what's that brand like? Because I want to be an agent, I can't do it here. So I have to literally pick a suburb. Um, and then before I know it, I had a phone call from the two directors. I was having dinner <laughs> with them. And then like four weeks later, I pretty much started. Um, I was with them for six years. During that six years, um, around 2008, I met Shannon Whitney. Um, there was a dinner here in Balmain. There was um, Shannon Whitney was there. Damien Cooley was there. Chris Maud was there. Uh, there was me. And um, another friend who was an agent, Samantha, was there as well. And I met Shannon that night and we just hit it off and he became my mentor. Um, And that's sort of when my career, like I was already doing okay, but then my career sort of went to another level. And like that whole mentor thing has just been big for me at like so many different levels. Um, And then I remember saying to Shannon around 2010, maybe 2011, I said, look, I I think I'm ready for the next step. I want to be a business owner. So you you move quite quickly through the different phases. Um, You know, it was really interesting. Shannon said to me, why do you want to be a business owner? When I thought about that, I didn't really know the answer. I just wanted to do it because my dad was a business owner. And like as a family. What did your dad do? He was uh, a motor mechanic. So everyone like... It was this, like my dad's second generation. Um, and like my, my grandparents came from Italy like and had a pretty tough life, right? So then it was like the business that my dad started here was this vehicle hmm. for, I don't know, like more freedom or I don't know, like quality of life perhaps. So I always saw business as a vehicle. So when Shannon said to me, why do you want <laughs> to be a business owner? It's really hard. And I was like, no, no, I just want to, I, I couldn't even answer. I was just like, I want a business. Like you don't understand. I want a business because a business just meant so much to like my family. And so um, he sort of challenged me a bit on that. Um, but my answer was so like staunch and so rigid and so one dimensional. was like, I just want a business. Just want your name um, on the door. I just, yeah. Well, it wasn't even that because it was always going to be Brisek Whitney. So um, we, I joined Brisek Whitney in 2013. Um, 
the idea was that we'd open an office, but we couldn't find a space. So I like that's the beginning of my Brezik Whitney journey. So we I initially worked out of the Glebe office, which was hard because I'm in a market that like I'm I'm not geographically where I want to be. I'm in a new brand. Most of the agents sort of obviously knew me because I'd, I'd performed pretty well. And everybody was saying, well, like, yeah, he's good, but like, who's Brezik Whitney? They're in Darlinghurst. Like, we kept, I kept getting that. Like, I kept getting attacked, basically. Um, for what it's worth, that was the hardest 12 months I've ever had in real estate. I've thought about quitting so many times because, like, I just couldn't take another no. Like, literally, like, people who I thought wouldn't consider anybody else were saying, Major, we really like you, but you don't have an office, you don't have any sales. You don't have a database. Like you like if you were at your previous employer or anywhere else in Balmain, like you've got the gig, but you're not. So I had to deal with that. Yeah, that was like um there was this um there was this point almost four or five months in where like the reality was setting in and like I pitched on this house and I was like, if I don't get this, I think I'm done. I literally, and my cousin was getting, I had a, yeah, a cousin who was getting married and I was sitting in church um, and this phone call came through and I looked at my mom and I was like, I don't know, like, can you pray for me right now? You're in a church. Like, <laughs> I'm not very religious for what it's worth. I was like, but can you just say, like, I really need this to be a yes. And I went outside and when I answered, the lady did, she said, and the phone broke up and I was like, oh my God, what did she say? And then she said, yes. And like, I couldn't talk. I got like that emotional. Cause I was like, I've been punched 4,000 times in the face and I needed this. Yes. Or I was done. Like maybe I wasn't done, but that's how I felt. So that was a tipping wow. point. It was so like, um, I can't explain like how hard that first 12, 18 months was. It was like, did you have no listings at all? Nothing. Nothing. My old employer blocked me too. So I couldn't, um, really, I do like, they actually honored that three month non-compete period. They sent me letters and stuff like that saying, no, cause I called people that were in my phone and they're like, we know you're calling people. I'm like, well, I'm actually not, I know these people. So like, I literally had to sit on the sidelines for three months and do nothing. So I lost all my momentum. I literally just made this decision that I'd have to rebuild my database. I'm not like a big database guy, but I just said to myself that if I'm looking back and thinking about my database, that means I'm not looking forward. So I just keep looking forward. So I literally built a brand new database from scratch. I've got two and a half thousand people on it now. Um, 2015, we actually moved into this building. Do you mind if we take a step back and dive a little bit deeper? into just some of the experiences and the emotions you felt at the time. Cause I think it would be really powerful for not only myself, but a lot of the listeners who go through that, you know, particularly now with the market starting to change, I'm not sure if you guys have felt it yet, but I know mm. it started to change. Mm. What's it like in that position? And, and if you are getting punched in the face, what's your best pieces of advice mm. to any agent or anyone outside of real estate in that situation? Um, yeah okay so I'll, I'll try like even talking about this takes my breath away because that's how hard those like i go back there and i think about how much like i don't know what the term is but <laughs> yeah. like how much i hustled um at the time someone bought me this um perfume i think it was like tom ford and um i was spraying it at the time 
if I smell that now, it makes me gag. Like I'm like, I can't smell it because it just takes me back to 2013 and 2004. I'm like, I just can't, like, I can't deal with it. Um, I just kept saying to myself every day, like, you take a hit, you take the hit, you take the hit. Like, I just, I'd get to the end of the day and I'd say to myself, tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow I hit reset, tomorrow's going to be a better day. And I must have said that like obviously hundreds of times. Tomorrow's a new day, tomorrow will be a better day. And like slowly, incrementally, like if you just consider that sort of like without being too spiritual here, but like a force like that in the universe, eventually like it's going to take over. And my desire, my, my desire, my willpower to succeed were just too strong. Like you couldn't stop me. I was coming. It's just that like I was just kept... It was just a matter of time. It was just a matter of time. Like you can't stop. Like that's how I see it. So every day I would say reset. Like I would literally, there were like some songs. I can't remember them, but like there was Balboa. Yeah, no, no, no. I actually think um, there was a song called, um, I'm just trying to remember, like maybe Survivor or something. Like I'm just like, I don't go for a drive in my car and I'd like listen to that, that sort of stuff. Like I singled out all these songs and I just try and like, you know, summon the, the, the courage to keep going. But it like, I, I can't stress enough how hard it was. And I like, I totally get it for young agents now too, because it was easier 20 years ago. And I, like, I can, it was, it's, it's fast now. And the problem is also like there are people like me and people that have been in it for 20 years that are still as hungry as ever. And that's hard for somebody new mm. and like profile such a big thing. Like when, the, when I joined the second office that I worked for, like the agents didn't do callbacks. They hired someone to do all the callbacks. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So like the agents weren't doing stuff like that. And I said, look, I want to do my own callbacks. And I was like, you're upsetting the whole system here that you can't <laughs> like, that's how different things were. Um, the only training that I got was like, I would subscribe to a hot topic CD, which you guys probably don't I remember. remember. Yeah, you know, I you remember. know, hot topics, yeah. Lee Woodward. Um, and that's how I met Josh Vegan a long time ago too. But, um, you'd have to, like that CD would come in and the receptionist would put on your desk and like, I just run to my car and put in my CD player to, for that one hour of training. Like now there's an hour every day that you could get from a podcast. Like mm. it's humble. It's for free. And most people still don't do it. Like I listen to podcasts all the time, mm. but that's what I had to do. I think one year, like in the early days, I wasn't earning much. I think I spent maybe 15 grand on tapes. Yeah, like I was, I actually just showed, um, Jet, who's a, uh, like um, our new team assistant, who's just started with me yesterday. I was like, look at this. They're downstairs now. I was like, look at this box. This is where it started. All these Brian Tracy CDs. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, You're going way Yeah, like I'm, yeah. I, there was no training. So you had to go and get it yourself. Like you had to pay for it. A lot of it came from America. Yeah. So that, they were the early days. So if you were committed 20 years ago, it was a little bit easier to come through the ranks quicker. Because, you know, I'm, I'm just fortunate. I got good training. I worked for good brands. I was totally committed. I was super hungry. Like I had the formula to crack through and I, like I did pretty quickly. Whereas now it's a bit different. Like the game is a little bit different. Mm. And it is a little bit better for everyone to be a little bit better because they're so much more available. Whereas I had to take the step of actually investing in myself, going to courses. I found a book. I think I went to Arik 2008 but I've been to Eric like five or six times. I haven't been like every year, like some agents, but like that's the sort of stuff that I was investing in. Yeah. I, I remember when I was coming up 
I, I, when I was an assistant and we went to all of, every single one of Josh Fagan's events and my boss made me pay for it. He goes, you have to go, you have to pay yourself and you have to learn. And it's true. Like I think a lot of agents these days, they, they get compliant when it comes to, or complacent, sorry, when it comes to actually learning. They think it's just on the job where you've got to take, you've got to take it personally, right? You need to be, I remember when I was waking up, I put on like, Jim Rowan and mm. all that sort of stuff. As soon as I wake up, pumping myself up, get through the day, doing Josh Fegan, listening to his podcast, um, Million Dollar Agent when it was around a few years ago to get me through that. And I think agents are just ex- ex- expecting it to just be on the job. There's so yeah. much good content now that yeah. is available to agents. Like it's crazy. I, I still like, I listen to Josh's podcast every Monday morning with Alex Um I like the one that John McGrath does with Tom Panos. Like I'm a big fan of that. And then I've got other podcasts that I listen to outside of real estate. Um, but I'm like, what I've always done as well is like, if there's someone who I hear about who's doing well, I just call them and say, can I, can I talk to you? Can I meet with you? Mm. Um, McClay Longhurst in our office is doing really well at the moment. Like I, I ring McClay and say, look, what's your take on this? Andrew Liddell's doing really well. Mm. Um, you know, I, I have the benefit or the, the, I'm very fortunate that I get to sit with him every day. Mm. Um, yeah, we have some good people. So like, yeah, you like it's, you got to surround yourself with that. Um, yeah. it, like, but it also depends what you want from your career, right? Like I had pretty high expectations from the beginning. So that, that was the approach that I took. Where did these high expectations come from? So like you mentioned real estate, you, you didn't really think about it prior to joining it. Like where did all this hunger and drive to stick out those tough times come from? Um, I think I know the answer, right? So it's not. A lot of it is like the, if I think about money in my life, most of my beliefs around money come from my grandfather, which is really ironic because my grandfather was a shepherd in Italy in the fifties, right? So his beliefs around money or his beliefs were then sort of subsequently inherited by my father. And then I've got my beliefs on my, so like sometimes I have to stop and think and I'm like, am I thinking like, a shepherd in Italy who's like in the 40s who hasn't had food for two days or I'm in abundance mode over here. So it's real. I, I just have this strong work ethic. Um, it's like it's a worker part within inside me and it's the strongest part. But I'm also not proud of that because like that's just how I'm built. Mm. And I try and that noise in my head around work, like I feel guilty if I'm not here. Like I just... I do six days a week. That's what I do. Like, I wish I didn't do six days a week, right? And I I know I can control that, but that's all I know. Like, I'm just on all the time. And like one of my rules for real estate is that nowadays you have to be 10 out of 10 committed. Like there's no such thing as a six out of 10 committed or a seven out of 10 because you'll just get swallowed up. The problem is like people like Andrew in my office are 10 out of 10. If he did 16 sales last month, he's got a team of four. His skill set is a 10 out of 10. His prospecting is a 10 out of 10. He's 10 out of 10 committed. Like what chance do you think you have against him? Like you, you don't. So like if you're a younger agent, all you can do is, you know, aspire to have that skill set and work on that. But you have to outwork the guy. But that's also hard. And he's got four kids and he's 10 out of 10 committed. He's got four kids and he's in early. Like it's within a balanced system that he has. So I don't want him like, he's not a workaholic, but I'm just painting a picture. Like here is 
I would describe our office at the moment, like I'm not big on sporting analogies, but I describe our office right now based on market share. If this is the Premier League, we're at the top of the table. And then if we are that team, whoever that is at the moment, like we happen to have like two of the best players in the league in that same team. Mm. So Mm. it's just like, I don't know, like I like Ronaldo and like Ronaldo is 35 or whatever, but like look how fit he is and how hard he's like, and he's already the best. Like how did like so what what happens on the days that you aren't ten out of ten? Like what happens if you wake up and you're a six out of ten? What what do you do? Do you get back Puts on the track? tapes on? <laughs> Put the tape, yeah. Um, I don't know how to answer that because I just don't have a like. I'm just always you're always on. I'm just always on. Like it's it's also like like I said, I'm not proud of it because that's just how I'm built, and that's what the voice in my head says. Like work, work, work. Like. That's just what the voice does. So what I'm trying to find now, now that I'm 40 and I've got two kids, is how do I, like, what's my window of tolerance for everything? Um, You know, I have to think about also, like, how do I be the best practitioner, but how do I be the best father? Mm. But I I just don't, like, I don't, my default is 10 out of 10. Mm. Like, it takes a lot for me not to be committed but there are some days yeah where I struggle a bit but I just push through it like but I I, I don't want to impart that message on Mm. younger agents because it's probably not healthy but that's all if it's all you know Mm. and that's all I was around like that's all you can do yeah like my dad hasn't had a day off work because he's sick like I don't have rarely do I have sick days like I just work right Mm. um that's just, it's just how I'm built. But again, for your audience, I don't want to impart that that's the right thing to do, but that's how I do it. Yeah. I'm always on. What happens when you get home then? Does the phone switch off or are you on again? Yeah. What's the schedule look like for you? Yeah. So, um, what I did recently at the start of the year is I actually have a wellness coach now, um, just to help. So I have certain rituals, and um, beliefs. So for example, at the moment now, I should also stress so I don't sound like a hypocrite, the last two weeks have been a sprint for me. So I've also sold 15 properties. Um, Most of those have happened in the last two weeks because one of my kids got COVID. So I I missed two Saturdays this month Mm. and I had a bit of catch up to do. Um, When I say catch up, catch up being what my aspiration, like what Mm. my, what I wanted for myself, right? So the last two weeks has been a massive sprint. So I have actually moved away from some of the beliefs and rituals that I have. But like, just if I if I if I just parked the last two weeks and, and spoke to you about that. So um, I have um, when I get home specifically. So when I get home, I I try and get home between six and six thirty. I don't do late appointments. So I tell clients I'm just not available to do late appointments. My only catch is that I'm here in Balmain in Sydney and I live in Bondi. So that drive can be 30 or 40 minutes. So I lose a bit of time on that. So I try and make calls on the way home. But when I walk in the front door, what I typically say is I just ask the kids or the nanny or my wife just for five minutes so I can start my ritual. I quick, I take my suit off. It's the first thing, suit off, phone upside down at the front door. I quickly go in the shower only like a 30 second shower, warm water straight to cold water. While I'm in the cold water, I say to myself, that's it, I'm changing my my energy, I'm changing my mood, I'm changing my state. Boom, get out of the shower, quickly get dressed, go and see the kids' phones away. Love it. So then I I, I keep going until I put the kids to bed. 
after I put the kids to bed, then I'll pick up and look at the phone. The only exception to that is if I'm in the middle of an exchange, which is a little bit hard because if there are, that's not fair on others. Mm. So I'll say to my wife or to the nanny, I just need some help because I don't have a choice. I have to do this, but that's my ritual for when I get home. So how do you cram, was it, did you say 15 sales in yeah. two weeks? How do you cram 15 sales in two weeks and not work late nights? Because the one thing that, and this is, this is a bit of a selfish question, not for my, not for the viewers, but like even with myself, we've just launched six properties this week. We've got 12 online. We're getting slammed. I, we've got more people calling in. I'm having to work to 7, 8 PM. Some nights I'm not finishing to 9, 10 PM. Yeah. How do you do that? And you're doing double me. So, well, they, not all 15 sales were in the last two weeks. So that's, it's important to note that. And I'm like full confession because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Like I have done some longer hours in the last mm. two weeks because some of my deals went through at the start of March. I think I had like four or five in the first week, but then I had, I was off with COVID for like, I was off for like eight, nine, 10 days, something like that. Cause I had to isolate and then I got it. Mm. Took me four days to catch it after starting. So I was like, yeah, it was 10 or 11 days, whatever it was. Um, I like, well, what if I just share this with you as well? So if I went back to pre COVID where I was at, cause I'm, I'm a high volume agent, right? I'm a hundred plus or a hundred sales a year. So my normal routine is, um, I like how, how, how much detail do you want? Do you want to do? I want it all. You want all it all of it. So I'll start at Monday morning. So Monday 6am is personal trainer at the gym. So I do, I do, um, weights. I try and leave because of the Bondi Balmain situation at 7.45 every morning. I was leaving a little bit later, but if I leave at 7.45, I can, I go to the car wash every day. I've got that crystal car wash unlimited thing because I park on the street. So I literally, if I leave at 7.45, I can get to the car wash, wash my car, stop at a coffee shop, get a, a black coffee and be here at 8.30. I can do all that if I leave at 7.45. If I don't leave, if I leave at 8, I won't get in till probably nine. Like it's just disproportionate because the additional mm. traffic. So gym, 7.45 leave. I have other things that I do like um, nutrition wise. Then I'm also like a freak. Talk to me about the nutrition. Uh, I won't bore you with it, but like just, just as an example, like um, – Oh, it's pretty boring. Right? Is it tuna and rice? Hey, no, no, it's not that. It's not that. You vegan? What's the? Because I heard you talk about energy. <laughs> I'm curious. You got a juice, like? Yeah. Well, like what we do is an energy game, right? Yeah. So that's the thing. Um, no, it's just for my like. So I have at ten o'clock, like I don't even want to say what it is, but I have like a, a special like a supplement. Then I have something that's at ten. I have something at eleven. Then I'm a jujitsu. Like I'm obsessed with jujitsu. So I also train four times during the week, 12.30 to 1.30. So that's my break in the middle of the day. Wow. Yeah, so I, so I go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and if I can, I'll go Friday. Like, I love it. I so love that's it. super important, right, to reset yourself in the middle of the day. To go yeah. yeah, it's a killer workout. So one of the things I've noticed with me, I, got, I injured my groin like three weeks ago, and I haven't been able to train, and like I'm not the same person. Like I just, I just miss it so much. I missed the, like, and I couldn't even go to the gym because, like, that's how bad I heard it. So, like, I miss, like, for me, physical, like, it's just jujitsu. Like, I'm just obsessed. Like, I actually love it. It's the best thing I've ever done. So, um, going back to that, train in the middle of the day, have my food in the afternoon, more supplements, get home, ritual with the kids, 
try and talk to my wife so that we have some connection time and then I've got like a bed routine that I start which I'm not the best at but it means no screens blue like blue whatever those glasses are um, and ideally read so I'm not my, my bed routine's not the best but the idea is that it's an energy game. So the energy game is tied into like what you eat nutrition wise, what you feed your brain as well. Like that's podcasts and stuff like that, the quality of your sleep. So like, I'm just really big on everything. Like everything I do either gives me energy or takes away my energy. I'm just focused on what gives me energy most of the time, but I'm not perfect. Mm. That, that excites me. Yeah, hundred percent. It's 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 always about energy, though. Yeah. Like even when you're sitting in front of clients, it's always about energy. You come in flat. You there's no chance you've got that. Like I've won listings just based on like they go, you've come in and you're pretty much screaming at me. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, you're just full of energy. We love it. You've got the business. We didn't even discuss fees, marketing, anything. Yeah, hundred well, percent. I think something to consider, right, in a market that's transitioning. So, like, the market's cooling. Let's just be clear about that. Like, that's (laughs) – sorry, that's my interpretation. Energy becomes important too, right? Because if you're going in and you're talking to somebody and you're saying, like, the market – like, at some point, people have to change the way that they're listing, if that Mm. makes sense. You can't keep going in and pretending the clearance rate's 90%. Mm. Not when the adjusted clearance rate in Sydney last week was 52%. Mm. So – if you don't recognize that, then at the moment, there's lots of agents with lots of listings. You got to sell those listings. You don't get paid to list. You get paid to sell. And those clients need to be satisfied as well. So if you just consider that, like at some point, we have to start changing things. But that's where the delicate balance comes in between your energy and the way you're delivering the reality. So you need to deliver the reality of the situation so that you give the, like the responsibilities on you. So you give them a plan to get sold. But sometimes that's not what we were talking about last year or like you talk, you, you're saying different things now, but that's where your energy becomes like super important. So I learned a lesson a long time ago. I was going in and I was trying to be as honest as possible and I was missing listings. And someone said to me, I can't remember who it was. Someone said to me, what about your energy when you're delivering that? Like, yes, you're being honest, but are you giving them some hope or what are you like when you deliver it? And I was like, shit. You just nailed it. That's why I'm missing this stuff. So quick shift, adjustment. So yeah, it wasn't all doom and gloom. It was like, let, like let's just be real. This is what we're going into. This is how we make the most of it. And this is why I'm the right person and whatever my energy was. So yeah, my, my energy is always like, I'm, I'm big on that because I think it's important and it goes up, it goes down. Yeah. I, something I myself am massive on energy. I think Kevin is as well. We both get coaching from Jeff Jowett. Yeah, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but um, one of his big pillars for energy management is having hobbies, purpose, and love. Tell me about your process when it comes to energy management. What are your you know pillars if you have them, or takeaways, or points for the audience to take control of their energy? Um, I just think that if you start with the basic premise of everything you do, that call you take, don't take, that person you speak to, what you eat, what you don't eat, like whatever you do, some of it, most of it subconscious, right? Whatever you do either gives you energy or takes your energy away. That's the reality. So if you just start with that and have some awareness around it, Mm. that's probably the best place to start. Like if you want to have pizza for dinner, that's cool. But just know that that's probably going to take your energy away. It might take a bit of your energy away tomorrow. So I'm not like personally super strict, but that is mm. now that I'm 40, that's something that I have some awareness around. 
I, I just think like it's like I've heard yeah I've heard Jeff talk and um, I think what he stands for is pretty good because I think his basic concept is like if you're trying to lose weight focus on the process not what the scale says because the scale like so I, I really like that I like and I heard years ago like that coach wooden analogy which was don't focus on trying to win the game just focus on trying to play your best and if you play your best a byproduct of that may mean that you win the game or you should win mm. the game I love like I love that focus on the process I say that to our team here I'm always guys don't don't worry about trying to be number one let's just focus on what we know we should be doing mm. and these are the things that we should be doing and if we do those well then the byproduct we mm. will be number one if that's important to us so I, I just think um, for me um, like your window of tolerance is how much you're prepared to do or tolerate and I think a lot of it's about renew like we move so fast it's about renewing your energy as well so like that I've been for the last two weeks on this sprint like literally a sprint and that's not healthy and that's not good yes I, I was chasing something I wanted to get to 15 sales for the month mm. so yes that's cool I've done it but I also I'm the first person to admit that's not healthy because everyone around me is a little bit rattled because they're like Jesus like this guy's on a mission that's not healthy couple of staff like just because of the, the sheer pace and intensity of being in tears that's not healthy um, and like in reality me not getting home before seven o'clock in two weeks is not healthy because I haven't done that for years and I, I've never done that since I've had kids and my, my son's four about to turn four so I, I just think the energy game like the energy game is purely like rest nutrition it's what we said like an awareness around is what I'm about to do will this give me energy take my energy away sometimes it gives like even coffees right so I only have one coffee a day that's my rule I used to have three coffees wow. um, but now I know and I don't have a coffee till an hour and a half to two hours after I've been awake I used to wake up have a coffee so my <laughs> wellness coach has moved me away from mm -hmm. that on the topic of that, just for what it's worth, I have a wellness coach, I have a jujitsu coach, I have a business coach, and I have a therapist. Like I have all these people around me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also get like food delivery, but I'm about to move to a private chef because I'm like my I just I want I'm prepared to pay double or triple, but I want better stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm just in the process of organizing that. So like improving your energy again. Yeah, like that sort of just little incremental changes, more and more, one percent every day. It's that's crazy. Like that's what I'm obsessed. I've been obsessed with that for a long time. So like, I don't want to be the best agent. I want to be the best agent who's the best dad. Yeah. And like for me, the ultimate form of leadership is like this is just my interpretation is like who you are as a parent, yeah. because like that's two little like in my case two little innocent <laughs> lives who they will go a direction based on what I like what what I like what I do like we got a puppy dog and I the dog I was trying to put my daughter to sleep last night and I heard the dog get up on the tables trying to eat my, eat my wife's dinner <laughs> and I was like oh shit and I ran in there and I yelled at the dog and then um as I'm walking back into my um daughter's room she's imitating me but swearing like oh, man. she <laughs> I won't even say it because it's a podcast right but she's swearing oh, she's only man. two so like and I'm like 
that's not cool. Like, <laughs> if I was more relaxed, a two-year-old shouldn't be laying in bed just swearing yeah. because she's imitating me and she knows the dog's upset me. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, I, that's what I see is the ultimate form of leadership, like who you are as a parent. And like, I'm not saying that from a judgy place because I think I'm an okay parent, but sometimes I'm a terrible parent. Sometimes I hate the way I talk to my son in particular because he's, you know, you have to explain to him why you want him to do something. Yeah. Um, why he shouldn't do something, his options, like it just kills me. I'm just like, can you just do it? He asked me last night in bed, why do we wee? And I was like, <laughs> okay. But he, like I gave him a basic answer, but he was like, but, but why, why? And he kept asking me, like he went down four or five layers. I'm like, I don't know, ask your teacher tomorrow. <laughs> so like, I think like for me, my life is all about my family. My, like, and I want to be the best husband to my wife. Like that's just a non-negotiable. I want to be the best partner. I want her to feel proud of me in our relationship. That's how I want the kids to feel. Um, I want to be the best practitioner. Like I want it all and I want to be the best version of myself. Um, On the topic of like my life has always just been work or family. I think why I love the jiu-jitsu so much is because the jiu-jitsu has – created another layer which is like the equivalent of me time there is no real me time like that's your hobby yeah yeah, like one of my best mates has been trying to have lunch with me for like two years and i'm like (laughs) mate i just don't do lunches i'm sorry like i just i don't have time on a friday if i've got two or three auctions Mm. to to have lunch like and he's like i don't get it like i know guys that earn more money than you that have time to have lunch i'm like you're probably right i must be doing something wrong but I just don't have time to have a lunch with you on a Friday. I don't have two or three hours. Yeah. That's just, that's just. So with your, with your energy management, you've got your gym, you've got your jujitsu, you've got your bedtime routine. Do you break often? Do you have holidays often? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So what I did last year, which was the first time ever, I worked in four week block, um, three month blocks. So I planned out my holidays at the start of the year. So I'm going to have a week off at Easter. I've got um, a trip to Europe booked in July as well. Um, So that's what I did last year that I was really happy about. So I've worked in cycles. So last year I did the same. I did, uh, I think I did 25 sales in the first quarter, had a week off at Easter, came back, launched 10 properties. So that was rather than just having them sort of consistently flowing, I had some awareness around, no, I need to recharge to be the best version of me for my clients. That's what I'm pretty much doing right now. So I'm just clearing the stock because Easter's a little bit later this year. We still have this Saturday and next Saturday to auction. So I think I've still got like another seven auctions between now and then. If they all clear, then the rest is stock that I'm gonna gonna have a full week off and then launch that stock the week after. It's still, there's two long weekends back to back coming up. But that's my plan. And then I'll work in another three month lot. So I try and have a week off every three months. Do you not drink alcohol during that three month period or is it? Alcohol is not really a thing for me. Yeah. yeah. Like I know some people say they stop drinking and stuff. Like I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't like no, re- I'm too old, like no recreation for like drugs and all that. So it's like, that's not part of like none of that serves me. Yeah. Like not even a late night. Yeah. Like it, when you've like, this is just my view. Like when you've got kids, they go to bed at seven, eight, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. If you choose to go to bed at 11, they're still going to wake up tomorrow morning at six. (laughs) So all it does is you're on different time zones to your kids and that's not fair on them. And it's also not fair on yourself. So like I'm at the point now, like I, 
if I go to if I I'll go to a dinner, I think I'll go to dinner tonight. But like I'm the first to abort all the time. Like mm-hmm. it'll get to nine nine thirty. I'm like, sorry guys, I'm out of here. Yeah. But but I've been doing that for years. Even if I go to a party, like I'm tip. I like I usually drive because yeah. I'm. I just I don't want to feel like mm-hmm. I don't want to feel hungover. Yeah. It, it just doesn't serve me at my age at this stage of my life and who I want to be. So yeah, yeah people people stop drinking, but I'm like. It doesn't matter to me because, like, I'm. It's not a part of my. Like, I'll have a drink. I like a Negroni. It's my favorite. Yeah. But I also have a drink if I go to a dinner. Only two drinks. So two Negronis is my maximum in a night. Because after that, like, it's not like the night gets any better. (laughs) Yeah. If anything, I start to feel a little bit hung the following day. Yeah. So like, I've got a two drink. Like that's my limit. Two drinks if I'm ever out. Were you always like that on the way up as well? No. No. So I like I've gone through the different phases of real estate. Um, I I guess the person I am today, and again I'm not saying this from a, a position of like I think I'm better than anyone. Like I sort of worked a lot on myself, and I did a lot of that with like my therapist. Like and just like I see therapy, I'm sort of proud of it. Right, I've been doing therapy since 2013, once a fortnight for an hour. Like I've done hundreds of hours, I think, if you weigh that up, to understand who am I, what is my impact on the world, why do I think the way I think, mm. who do I want to be, all this sort of stuff. Like that's the journey that I've gone on. Like I've I've put the time in to understand and try and mold myself into the person that I want to be. So um this might be like a really stupid example, but like I understand that I'm a role model to my son and daughter, but in, in, in the context of what I'm trying to say is like, I was a single guy for a long time and I'm not proud of the way, like, I'm not proud of the way that I treated women. Now I'm not saying I didn't do anything wrong, but like I might go to the beach now with my friends and my friend will tap me and say, look at that, like, look at her. And I'm like, mate, don't do that. I don't want to know. Like that's, that's not, in, that's not of interest to me. I'm not, I don't want to look at women like that. Like mm. my wife's over there. I don't think she'd appreciate that. So like I made steps, like I unfollow, I used to follow all these models on it. I unfollow everyone. I would never like a photo now of, even if it was a friend, a female friend in a bikini. Cause I'm like, how would that make my wife feel? Mm. So like I've, I've got that sort of awareness and that's probably like something that I worked on, but I went through all the phases. Like I was a proper douchebag. Um, I literally thought I was like James Bond at one stage because I was like, oh, I've got like the car and <laughs> I had a Tom Ford jacket on and all this sort of stuff. And I had a like a pretty girlfriend and I'm like, oh, like I made it. Like that was my, like I feel so sorry for that version of me. So what I'm would like, you tell you, what, what advice would you tell that Adrian Noddy now? Well, like if I was talking to me, I'd be like, mate, you're an idiot. (laughs) Like if you think that's important, like you are an idiot. Like that's what I'd say to me. What would I say to somebody else? Like you have to honor your journey, right? And the phases you go through because those, that's what makes you who you are. And I had to make those mistakes that I'm embarrassed about to become the person that I had to become so that I can satisfy me today, present and be the father that I want to be and the leader in this place too. So I I think that like like if you talk about ego for for example, like it plays a part in us, but 
in our industry because like if you think about what we do like your ego becomes almost like your protection mechanism too right and then all of a sudden you know you have some success you start to earn money like you want to prove yourself but then at the same time you're still getting knockbacks and stuff like that so your ego is there is this massive way to protect you and who you are and you know it protects you by making you think that you're better than what you are and like at the I don't take it lightly what we do, right? So like I was talking to a competitor of ours recently and she's like, I change people's lives. I was like, that's okay. Like if that, like, I don't know how I feel about that. Right. But where I am today, this version of me sitting in front of you both is I have a skill set. I have a strong skill set with that skill set comes responsibility. And with that responsibility, my motto has always been to put the client first. So if I put the client first, use my skill set, sometimes the client doesn't even know what's best for them. Like they do this once every five years. I did it 15 times this month. Like there is a big difference between my, so I, I see that I take that on as my responsibility. So I think don't take light, like what we do, yes, sometimes you can go over here and it's just like, I need to do the deal, I need to do the deal, like all that. So I, I get all that, but you know, first and foremost, we are here because we have a responsibility. And if you execute well, that client, you know, will benefit from that greatly. And I think that's really important. Like that's, that's my view. So firstly, like just put into perspective what we do here, but I think like going through the different phases, cause I went through the different phases and I thought like I was a legend at one point, like I wasn't a legend and no one's a legend. Um, we're just like, we're very lucky to get paid how much we get paid. Like, I just, I don't know, like maybe, maybe, you know, with crypto and stuff like that, it's a bit different now, but I think we're very lucky. We should honor that and acknowledge that and say, yeah, we are lucky to get paid how much we, especially when you get good. Like if you, yeah, when you get good, it's like, if you can sit in front of someone on a Friday and sell their house at three and a half million on a Tuesday, and charge them close to two percent. It's pretty crazy. You got to you got to be pretty happy with that. And like you should say, yeah, I am bloody lucky that that ha- I'm good at what I do. But I'm very lucky that that's what's happened. So like, there's different phases to real estate. Um, what I don't think our industry has is a lot of really good role models. Mm. But I've always said that the problem with our industry is, I'll use Andrew Liddell as an example, right? So Andrew is an unbelievable agent, unbelievable father. If he wasn't, if, if he, if he worked a little bit longer, maybe sold a little bit more, then he'd become on the radar, like ever, he'd be on everyone's radar, but at the expense of his family. And then the industry would take an interest in him because they'd be like, look at this guy selling 130 properties a year. My view is why don't you take an, why don't you take an interest in him right now? Cause he's doing a hundred. Mm. He's going to write 4 million in fees. Mm. and he's an amazing dad and no one's well, not that no one's heard of him but like he's not a name I'd rather that than this guy over here mm. who's doing an extra 20 sales a year who has separated three times or divorced like can we get, get him on the podcast you should definitely get him on the podcast he's amazing yeah Killer. yeah he's really good so that so it's a long way of answering it like our industry doesn't have really good people like that um, like I have Andrew as a role model, right? A guy with four kids, amazing husband. Like I get to spend time with him every day. Like I love that. 
and he's a really good human being as well. So like, I don't think our industry's got a lot of that. Like, I, like that's a bit egotistical. Yeah. Yeah. Like talk bit. to Andy. He's got zero ego. Like yeah. I'm sure he does, but it's under control. Like it's just not there. So uh, one thing I was, um, if I don't, if you don't mind, I was talking to Jeff about with my session yesterday was that balance where, you know, as sales agents, it's prospect treat, you know, g- generate business X, Y, Z. And, and my goal and trajectory, I want to be on service, not status, similar to like, you know, my skill set. We're very grateful for the skill set, but how can we come from service rather than use that skill set to, you know, be egotistical, et cetera. What would your advice be to an agent now to generate business from a place of clear and, and pure energy? Is it picking up the phone? Like what, what's your routine look like for generating business now? So, okay, it's a good question. So I'll, I'll run you through what my model's always been, right? Yeah. And I think the industry refers to, some, to how I sort of operate as like an attraction agent. I've... Um, I've always put the client first and I've always focused on trying to deliver them an awesome experience. That's what I would, at my detriment too, right? Because sometimes people dangle things in front of you like, I'm not interested. So what I would do is if I was a new agent, like try and get the gig and then just do the best job you can do and just make sure those people get the best experience they've ever had. And then ask them at the end or ask them before it starts. Like once you feel like their level of satisfaction is there, I would just say to them, look, just so that you know, if I could just put this on the table, because you're going through the motions now of selling a house with me, no doubt you've got friends that know you're selling that are probably considering a sale. All I ask is if you feel like I'm worthwhile, because I'm trying to find my feet here, if they ask you what I'm like, can you tell them the truth and maybe suggest if you feel like I deserve it, that they should talk to me? Just give me a chance. Like that's what I still do that now. So I say to my clients, <coughs> excuse me. There may be like, like I'll say to my clients, like what I really want from you, what's most important outside of obviously getting paid. But like on top of that, the bonus is I really would love you to put some words together so I can share that with other people like you sort of four weeks ago who are trying to Mm. think of someone, but more sort of directly someone, you know, right now knows you're selling and they're thinking of selling and they're going to ask you, you will probably get asked maybe more than once, maybe two or three or four times, what was he like? And all I ask is like, just tell him the truth. Like if I'm no good, just tell him I'm no good. If you feel like I've done a good job, tell him. If you feel like I'm good, but there's areas I could just tell him that. But ultimately, like if you feel like I, you know, I've done my job, then yeah, just can you, can you please mention me? And that like, I still say that to people now. Mm. Like I still say that after every sale, can you do that for me? That's and awesome. mo- most people are happy like also with testimonials and things like that like the, a good way of getting them is just to say look um, would you be able like if I sent you a link could you put just a sentence or two together it doesn't have to be a paragraph it doesn't have to be perfect or you'll never do it I know mm. just put a sentence or two from your heart what you think is good and like if you could like I to give them some motivation say look I'm actually chatting to a few people right now that are on the edge and they're trying to pick an agent if you did that and you're real time and you sold yesterday I can send that to them if you send the link I'll send you the link right now and like I get a testimonial within an hour most of the times like that's if I like these are all the little like it's 20 years right so I've got so many different things I can like 
I can tell you not what to do, but how to do it. Because like that's how to get a testimonial quickly. That's how you ask for it. That's a deadline to put on it. Come through. Mm. It, it, it's crazy to when I was. I, I've done a lot of coaching in the past, but when I came and sat with you and did some training, what like a month, month, two months ago, the uh, the knowledge that you have is crazy like there's things that you're saying and and that i'm picking up even now like that i haven't heard from anyone just little bits and bobs your knowledge is awesome thank you mate i hate when this question gets asked to me kevin what's happening with the market where do you think it's going to be in the next few months so i'm going to ask you adrian (laughs) where's the market going um i like i think the simple answer is that it's obviously cooling yeah I think in our market, like there's different price points, so it's a little bit confusing. So if you're sort of three or four mil plus, which is a premium price point, it's still actually doing pretty good. If you're a three bedroom or a two bedroom house between one eight and two five, which is like a really popular price point, it's quite difficult because there's like 34 options on. Mm. And if you compare that to last year, there was probably three at any given time. So like my, my general sort of answer is like, if you listen to the narrative from the media, it, it probably does have to peel back and it probably has to peel back because interest rates are going up. And like, as much as I don't want to say that, cause I made a, a big purchase last year, that's just the reality. Like it's probably going that direction, but I don't like, I actually don't know. Like there was what, I, what I wouldn't do, like this is for the young agents. Like I wouldn't try and debate with someone at an open house whether the market's going up or down. Like you just, it's like pulling your hair out. If you're having that conversation with a buyer, like they're probably not going to be buying. Like if, mm. if, if they're saying, oh, rates are going down. Okay, cool. Like prices are going down. Okay, cool. If that's your view, that's like, I respect that. Like sometimes I don't even give my own like take on that. Yeah. Cause I, like I find that if you're talking to that person, it's the wrong person. And I've just now made like a connection between those conversations. Those people don't end up buying. Mm. So like, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's cool. I, I respect that. Like, yeah, we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah. And like, just move on. For sure. Energy yeah. again. You don't want to be spending your energy on Oh, like you can that. sit there and try and convince <laughs> someone that like the market's good. Like even if you're at a price point that's good, you can sit there and and try and convince someone. Like, but then you ask yourself for what? Like the other thing I've learned is other like you might talk to someone who's listed with another agent and then they call you and bag the agent out and you're like I don't get like why do you want to I don't want to have this conversation with you like I don't want to sit there and bag another agent that you picked um someone asked me today who didn't pick me who's buying who might who may be buying a house off me tomorrow uh he said look would you mind me asking you what do you think I'll get for my house and I said like respectfully I'm not going to answer that like that's unfair on me because you had an option to pick me mm. and you didn't. Now you're asking for my opinion. And secondly, you have an agent and that's who should be answering that question, not me. Mm. So I don't feel comfortable and I, I don't think it's fair that you're asking me. Mm. And he said, fair enough, fair enough. I respect that. Because like, mm. it's the truth. Like, hey, go ask your agent. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, why do you hire him for? <laughs> well, yeah. And I, I think also there is responsibility too because the other agent has had an open house and has had 10 buyers through. So like all I'm giving is an opinion, but the other agent knows what he's doing. And if he's had 10 buyers through and they're qualified and that's, that's what he needs to base his decision on what those 10 people said. 
not what I think. Like that just seems logical to me. Ask your agent and find out from the buyers who have looked at it, where does it sit? Mate, um, really appreciate your time today. My last question for you, what do you want to be remembered for in say 20 or 30 years time when your kids are at that age where they can, you know, really understand their father? What is that one thing you want to be remembered for? Mm. Are you talking about in life or like in, in life? life? In life. It doesn't have to be real estate, but in general, real um, estate, family, dad. Jeez, that's deep. Um, I just want my kids to look back and feel like they had a nice childhood. They weren't restricted around my beliefs because I was open as a person to showing them the world. Um, I want them to think that I was a good role model for them. That's all I want. That's it, just to be a good dad and a good husband. Love it. That's thank it. You. Oh, yeah. Oh. Adrian, thank you so much for thank jumping you. on. Appreciate, Appreciate it. Jens. Awesome. Thank Thanks. you. Mate, that was awesome.